So, um, there's a lot going on this week. We've had uh, kind of a resurgence uh, of, um, you know, some political violence that, ins- you know, inspired, I think, uh, Carl and I both. Uh, I think that, you know, if there was any way to define our, both of the, like, the most characteristic things about our um, political belief is that it's anti-Nazi. It's like, I yes. just hate Nazis. Most of what I do is hate Nazis. Hating Nazis is, like, a prerequisite for good politics. <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, but um, that being said, um, uh, I wanted to start this week with a, uh, uh, a Vladimir Lenin quote from State and Revolution. Um, but I, I, I thought, you know, we could discuss this, and I thought it would be a really cool way to intro this week's podcast. Um, but the quote is, uh, Democracy means equality. The great significance of the proletariat's struggle for equality and of equality as a slogan will be clear if we correctly interpret it as meaning the abolition of classes. But democracy means only formal equality. And as soon as equality is achieved for all members of society in relation to the ownership of the means of production, that is, equality of labor and wages, humanity will inevitably be confronted with the question of advancing further from formal equality to actual equality, that is, to the operation of the rule from each according to his ability and to each according to his needs. By what stages, by means of what practical measures, humanity will proceed to this supreme aim we do not and cannot know. But it is important to realize how infinitely mendacious is the ordinary bourgeois conception of socialism as something lifeless, rigid, fixed once and for all, whereas in reality only socialism will be the beginning of a rapid, genuine, truly mass-forward movement embracing first the majority and then the whole of the population in all spheres of public and private life. Um... And I, 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 was, I was struck by this quote and wanted to bring it up this week because so often I think at the end right there, it, it kind of does it. Socialism is really the gathering of everyone to lift everyone up rather than the capitalist notion that, you know, we, we, we need to engage in the societal lottery where some people get to be rich and others have to be poor so that those, the rich can be rich. Rather than that, what we are saying is let's, let, let's lift everybody up. Let's be the people who help others and do, uh, do good things for others. And I mean, it's also, I think, I think it's really important to talk about socialism like this because so often people are like, socialism is this gray hellscape where everybody's the same. And I mean, when we talk about equality, we don't mean that like we all have the same haircut, wear the same fucking clothes, okay? We mean that we all have the same opportunity and capacity to be whoever the hell we want to be. And anytime you look at any anything historic, whenever people have become more equal, there's always been a blossoming of the arts, of culture, of shit like that, because people have the ability to express who they are, what they want to be, and do things in a new way. And and that's what socialist is is instead of this rat race where we have like fucking fifty Iron Man movies and no one has made a movie that people want to watch. <laughs> ever since like fucking 2000 because we're because you know they just want to make profits we want to see a world where every single you know tarantino or nolan or that guy on youtube you know that makes fucking cool videos is able to do that 
Yeah. And that that is an equality that is focused on 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 human flourishing, on letting people do whatever the fuck they want with their time and and with the wealth that we all have as a society. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that's exactly right. It it you know, not only is there you know, this idea that, you know, when you offer societal protections through socialism, I mean, what it really, what socialism really is, is a strengthening of the, the uh, societal safety net that already exists in a lot of ways, you know, through Medicare and Medicaid and, and, and certain other services. I mean, the police, the fire departments, you know, a lot of, all government is already basically socialist because of how they use tax dollars. I mean, real capitalists, we'd pay for everything out of hand uh, or out of pocket, but I think that, yeah, there's this one hand where you can say that, like, yeah, there's actually this ability for arts to flourish. Artists don't have to starve when they know that they can go to the hospital to get care. They can rely on their housing being safe and they can rely on their food being good and they can, you know, rely on those things. And when people don't have to work jobs, they don't want to work. People are going to work the jobs they want to work. I Mm -hmm. mean, Iceland is one of the most social democratic countries in the world and, like, Almost all of them are published authors because they have the time to do that kind of shit. They have the time to be artists. They have the time to be free and, and, not, and, and to do with what they want, do with their time what they want. Yeah. And, and I, think, I think that not only does it allow people as artists to be free in that sense, it also allows policy thinkers and government thinkers to deal with some of those problems too. It's not, it's not that we, you know, stamp this thing down and say, okay, here's all there's, I mean, you know, you can just look at DSA and the, the, the questions that they're, you know, ha- coming up with the, the mindset of their party, where it is so obvious that there's, there's, there's conflict, you know? How do you deal with gender and identity politics? How do you deal with, you know, the dismantling of the means of production and, and, and spreading it out? And, and how those things are all policy questions that are not rigid. They don't have fixed answers, and we can debate them. And I think that that is important. I think that this quote, when, when, was, when was State and Revolution published? 1914? 1912? Something like that. In, yeah. in the, in the 19, uh, 1900s or 1910s. Yeah, and, and like, I just think that that is so, you know, where, where, where we are now, where we're actually fighting for those things, you know, I think it's so important that we look at this quote from Lenin and say, you know, we do need to engage in those policy discussions. We do need to engage in those art discussions because that's, you know, the fruit of life. It's the Thoreau quote that I love, you know, we suck the marrow of life and we have to do that because if we don't, if we just, you know, make socialism this rigid lifeless thing where it's just, oh, capitalists are bad. We can't be obstructionists. We have to be policymakers. And we have to be pro something. And our vision is, is the vision of a society where people are free to do and be who they want to be, fundamentally. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. That's exactly right. Many months has come and gone since I wandered from my home In those Oklahoma hills where I was born Many a page of life has turned, many a lesson I have learned. Well, I feel like in those hills I still belong. Way down yonder in the Indian nation, ride my pony on the reservation in those Oklahoma hills where I was born. Now way down yonder in the Indian nation, the cowboy's life is my occupation in those Oklahoma hills where I was born. All right, I'm Adam Burnett. 
And I'm Carl Roberts. And this is Red Star over Oklahoma. We are a small political and news broadcast, broadcast, podcast, man, I'm going to get that right one day, uh, broadcasting <laughs> about uh, political or politics and news in left uh, Oklahoma. And this episode is dedicated to Heather Hayer, Charlottesville. Rest in power, comrade. Yeah, I had I'd pulled uh, a Mother Jones quote for this. Uh, it's uh, pray for the dead and fight like hell for the living. And that's what we do every day. Um, so um, moving into national news, we don't I don't think we have any any housekeeping stuff. The kind of national news is a little bit up top is a little housekeeping. Uh, we want to, uh, you know, we've had some news uh, with uh, the Russia story. Manafort's house got raided and. Everyone's scur- you know, the White House is scurrying to try and burn all the documents as fast as they can. And uh, uh, Un and Donnie T have been engaged in a shouting match after uh, after Donald uh, got a little too hyped up watching Field of Fire 2.0 uh, on last Sunday's Game of Thrones. I'm hoping that for hashtag spoilers. Oh, I don't Field of Fire spoilers. I, I, who cares? <laughs> God, last week's episode was so awesome. Why don't you just use dragons all the time? Who cares? Everything's going to be over soon anyway. The wall is going to crash. All the White Walkers are going to come. Just, just melt everything with the dragons. That's what I'm saying. Uh, why? I want socialism because in a socialist economy, HBO, whoever's making fucking Game of Thrones would have the money to have a shit ton of dragons all the time. God damn it. I and, get that shit expensive. Okay. And if we had a really, like, I'm talking, a, the kind of massive government structure that I really want where it's so large that we can just compel people to do things, we could put George R. R. Martin in a box with some paper, and he only gets as much food as he hands out pieces of com- pages of completed Winds of Winter. Like, he, he does not eat. That's how he pays for his food in the, the glorious socialist utopia that I describe. <laughs> It does sound kind of ironic to say, start the episode with from each according to his ability to each according to his need, and then say he only gets food based on the pages he puts out. That's what I'm saying. It's very, very, <laughs> very important uh, that oh, it's just, he's just not, he's never going to finish those books, and I'm going to have to, oh, I'm so mad. Oh, I'm so mad. But anyway, um, yeah, so we, we had covered uh, Russia and North Korea, uh, both of those. In episode two, and I, you know, this this news, while it's you know new, um, is not. It doesn't. It doesn't change anything. Fun, you know, like nothing has come out proving that there's no smoking. There's no gun yet. There's only smoke, and it's always been smoke with the Russia investigation. And fucking Kim Jong Un and Donnie T have been playing whose dick is bigger, you know, since before Trump got elected. So yeah, yeah, and yeah, and and, and like we kind of said, it's it's uh all a little saber rattly and just, you know, if they drop the bombs, they drop the bombs and we'll have a great time. Um, I've been playing a lot of and Fallout we, in preparation, so I've been doing <laughs> that for months, so I'm ready. Well, you better have a bunch of bottle caps saved up. So. Oh, I have bags. That's all I'm saying. I have bags. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, but we did have, uh, kind of like we said at the beginning, um, we can, we get, luckily, not luckily, uh, terribly, we had some terribly terrible things happen in the U.S. and uh, but it allows us to go on our uh, normal, our normal uh, beat the normal drum we do, which is you know fuck Nazis. <laughs> so fuck the Nazis. Charlottesville I'm, riots. I kind of 
the I want to call this section uh, Weimar Germany 2 Electric Boogaloo because that's kind of what's uh, happening right now. Um, <clears throat> because, you know, like street fights between far right assholes that, you know, should really just stay in, in their basements and not come out, out ever um, are fighting people that are like, we don't want to die because of our race or our gender or <laughs> the fact that we're poor. We would like to live, please. And these horrible people are really pissed that we're taking down monuments to essentially... Traitors. <laughs> war criminals, slavers. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I... Like, like the, some of the worst people in American history. The people who were like, you know what? It is not okay that the North doesn't like slavery. It is not okay that the North won't let us take our slaves in the North where the shit's illegal and have them still be slaves there. It's not okay that the North is going to say that states out West get to choose if they're going to be slave states or not. They have to be slave states because they knew slavery was going to die out at some point. And they were, they were trying to expand it. Yeah. And these people are getting fucking pissed that we want to take down statues to people who who are rapists, who are literal the rapists. worst kind of racist. Literal rapists. Yeah, quite literally rapists. You know, people who said, oh, y'all want to vote to end slavery where, where you live? We don't believe in states' rights. We believe in our states' right to own slaves. Y'all mm -hmm. motherfuckers better let us own slaves. Yeah. The worst hypocrites, the worst trash that... Ever in American history. And they lost! Really. It's like they're, they they're, they're they on the wrong side of losers. history already. They're literally losers. It just... I, I, I mean, I get it. I get why they have the reverence. Because it allows, you know, it allows them that they can hide behind the Southern pride, Southern heritage thing. And say that they're not just racist. But they're just racist. Like, all they want. I mean, you know, they've... They they live in a place where they have been exploited by honestly capitalists and have been uh, yeah. destroyed. You know that's a, a really good you know the the Weimar example as you kind of said earlier. It's actually a really interesting. Around the same time, the uh, uh, antebellum era in the South was really devastating. Not just because of you know all of the destruction of you know the the war, but also because they'd lost so much of their workforce and that scar of having lost their lost the war and lost so much of their workforce that they became so economically downtrodden as to have to rely on the north has well and they were also econ they were economically downtrodden because they were so hyper capitalist they mm -hmm. were like no capital is going to be the form of humans of black bodies in the south and it's going to be hyper concentrated yeah. and the whole time the fucking people who started the civil war the people who they're mad who these people today these these far right shit lords are don't want the statues removed of, they were like, oh, you know, we need slavery because the poor white person has more in common with the black slave economically because they're both getting fucked by us rich white people. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and so <clears throat> to kind of deal with the, the, the UVA uh, in the Charlottesville incident, so we had a group of white nationalists, including everyone's uh, favorite punchable face, Richard Spencer, uh, Dick Spencer, as I like to call him. Uh, they all converged um, on the University of Virginia and on Charlottesville to march around. Uh, did you did you happen to see the name of the park where the Robert E. Lee uh, statue was being removed from? Yeah, so uh, it's called Emancipation Park. They renamed it because it used to be Robert E. Lee Park, and they were like, "Oh shit, 
having a park named after a literal slave owner that surrendered and ended the Civil War by surrendering may be bad. Maybe because, you know, black people live here. We should have a name that's, that, that recognizes that it's not fucking 1861 anymore. Yeah. Yeah. And so um, the, the, the protests, as, you know, these kind of things normally do, you know, you've got your greatest tips, hits of uh, who was there, uh, notably Mr. David Duke was in attendance, uh, the ex-leader of the KKK, and, and, you know, the pictures coming out of it are just kind of the um, pinnacle of Nazi flag-waving, uh, fascist, terrible people, just awful, awful human beings. And so they end up, you know, getting into a clash with our boys in black and uh, BLM. And- D- DSA, IWW. Basically, all the groups of people in the United States that are good and that, have, if they're old, have always been on the right side of history, every time, <laughs> yeah. without any question. And um, at a certain point, um, uh, someone, oh, I, I mean, we know who it was, uh, I just won't say his name, uh, drove a car through uh, a great sports car. Man, he was a sports car. It's just like, uh it's not even like a good sports it's one of those american muscle cars yeah. that like it has an engine that goes fast but it's not actually good at driving yeah he drove into the crowd <sighs> and uh injured a lot of people and uh murdered uh murdered uh um heather higher and uh i um you know just watching this it it, it strikes me you know these Nazis, for not lack of a better word, but for that being the correct term for them. For that being the right word. Yeah. Um, these Nazis, you know, they rely on state violence to subject these people. I mean, you know, even if you think back to literally, you know, 150 years ago, the Civil War, or 170 years ago, the Civil War, you know, that was state violence against black bodies in the <laughs> greatest, you know, way it goes. It was literally slavery. Yeah, yeah. So, like the modern system of American police is based on that system that comes out of slavery. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so, you know, they see this dismantling of um, the police and, 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 and certain other state structures that exist to um, subject uh, people of color and uh, minorities and marginalized people. And um, they feel that as violence against them. And so they, it's almost this taunting. I mean, they literally go out and try and taunt these people into doing something. And it was Donald Trump's response to this. It was almost as if he had already decided that someone was going to punch a Nazi. You know what I mean? That, that, you know, his, 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 the, the piece of his little quote that, you know, oh, we have to stand against violence in all its forms and blah, 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 is that violence on many sides. No? <laughs> no? Like, there were peaceful protesters who were being attacked by Nazis who are, one, actually violent, two, advocating the use of, like, slavery and genocide, three... Um, they were the ones who, I mean, like, like literally they didn't drive a car. They started this protest. Yeah. And they didn't drive a car into, uh, white nationalists. They, the the car was driven into the counter protesters. And there's also, there's like a very important, you know, these counter protesters who come out here and are like, these people are waving Confederate flags with fucking swastikas on them. Mm -hmm. Right. These people want to kill me. Yeah. 
And I am going to come out here and say, you don't get to kill me. I'm going to take a stand to keep those people from trying to kill me. That is a form of self-defense. Oh, yeah. There is no other term for that. And and in a country that lets that where in a ton of states, you can just shoot somebody if you feel like your life is threatened. You have every goddamn right to go out on the street and say, you don't get to protest neo-Nazis. You don't get to protest neo-Confederates. You get the fuck out of here. Mm-hmm. You go home, you stay inside your house, and you talk on the internet. And that's that's the only right you have. You don't have a right to be in public. That's self-defense. Yeah. That is self-defense for all of us that are not these people. Yeah. Well, all of us who just aren't willing to engage in violence to lift ourselves out of, you know, uh, the, the societal problems that we have. You know, those of us who are woke, for lack of a better word, but, you know, that are open to the ideas that, you know, what we're being exploited, our work is being taken advantage of. And, like, those people... Um, at the end of the day, like that, that is part of their problem too, is that, you know, some of them are so indoctrinated, uh, with some of the racist, you know, teachings that they probably won't ever come out of it. But at the same time, like the, the principle that they feel is that same scar that I talked about earlier from, uh, the civil war, just that, you know, they feel that their jobs are being taken. They believe the lie that immigrants are stealing their jobs. And that lie is being peddled by Donald Trump and Paul Ryan and Mitch McConnell. It's like those guys is like that rhetoric that they use. And I mean, even this, oh, many side, condemn the violence on many sides. It's like even that Donald Trump supporters are going to look at that and go, man, I can't believe those counter protesters, those anti-fa Black Lives Matter people pushed those Nazis to do that. That's literally how they think about it. Like they were forced to, to drive a car into these counter-protesters. It's like, no, that's not it. Well, and this this, this whole thing, like the fact that he drove a car into protesters is a really big deal because a bunch of Republicans have been looking to make it legal in state legislatures to drive car, for it not to be a crime if you drive a car into people blocking a road illegally, right? Like protesting and blocking a road. So like people blocking a highway or something. This is part of the Republican Party agenda to make it legal for people to drive cars into protesters. Yeah. Like this is this is the Republican Party. This is this guy is the face of the Republican Party. It's not the face they want you to see, but he fits into it just as well as Paul Ryan or or Mitch McConnell does. He is just as much part of it. Yeah, and it and it and it's crazy to me because, you know, just like in all of these, you see the overreaction by the government in a lot of ways, but really just the exploitation of these events um, for um, the uh, purposes of the, the government. And it's just like I said, you know, it seems like Donald already had decided that it was going to be, uh, you know, a BLM person who punched a Nazi. And that was what he was going to be able to condemn the violence on both sides, but really with a heavy wink of like, uh the Nazis are fine. We all know. Yeah. yeah we know who the problem <laughs> problem people are. And uh, I, I just, like, it, it is so indicative of that the problem in that they, they were ready for this. They, they, all they wanted to do was have this incident so that they could crack down on BLM like they cracked down on the Panthers and like they cracked down on the Communist Party. In the 30s. Like that crackdown on the IWW. Yeah, exactly. I, re- I read somewhere that, that the woman who died was an IWW activist, right? Mm-hmm. And if you go, the, the same people who started the Tulsa race riot tarred and feathered IWW, tarred and feathered wobblies in Tulsa the week before the race riot. 
Like these fights are are intimately linked. The fight against white supremacy and the fight against capitalism is the same fight. Mm-hmm. And they know that. And they are out there trying to kill us right now. Because and they're they getting defended by the White House. They are, yeah, there's more we, of us. There's more yeah, there's more of us. We're right. I don't think I don't I think don't really know. You know, it's just one of those things. It's very easy. To believe this, to believe this, this far right stuff, it, because it basically says, you know, fundamentally, the society you're used to is OK. And not only it's that, correct. but it's not your fault. It's set up in a good way. Yeah, it's not your fault. It's this one set of people's fault, right? Mm-hmm. It's it's black people's fault. It's Jews faults. They, they were chanting like Jews will not replace yeah. replace us or something uh, on Friday. Whew. And so they say. This is a throw, but, you know, America. America and the Soviet Union and the UK and China fucking defeated this threat in the 40s. This is just like the Confederates. They fucking lost. Mm-hmm. And these people are like, oh, we got to defend our race. We got we to gotta defend ourselves. And they use the signs of people that lose. And they will lose again. We will win this fight. Yeah. Yeah. But, I mean, if, they, if they, nothing they else, place because, the blame on... Because they don't understand the, the, the fight that they are engaging in. They're using, you know, they think that what they're doing is for um, their greater society or their jobs or their economic welfare, um, but, or they're even, if they think it's for their culture and their way of life, what they're trying to do is genocide. And when you back a people into a corner like that, they're going, they have no recourse but to fight back and to fight back violently. And so when you try, I mean, you know... When you try and do that, when you try and just eradicate a people and a culture for the sake of your own culture, not only is it terrible imperialism and something that white people have been engaged in since ever, but it is a fight that you're going to lose in the end. Not, you know, you can, you can, you know, the military and the police are awful strong and, and, and you, and you might lose a lot, but you're, you're you're gonna keep the fight. I mean, there's not, you can't do anything, but when you're, when you're oppressed like that, eventually you just have to keep fighting. All you do is fight back. And, I mean, these, these people, you know, some, some of them just don't have any interest other than defending this, but, but some of them, you know, it's just like with Trump, some of these people, you know, we need to, we need, to talk to them, I don't think that there was like a lot of workers that were there at UV. I think they were almost all like Richard Spencer, rich, you know, well-heeled fucking dicks, mm-hmm. right? That dude deserved to get punched in the face. I, I, a hundred percent, totally should be legal to punch somebody like Richard. You should get a medal from any good organization for punching someone like Richard Spencer in the face, right? That should be a rule for an organization. You get a medal if you punch a Nazi in the face. Um. But, you know, some of the people that are, like, on this side, some of them are, are people that are shafted, and, and they're getting shafted, and, and these beliefs serve this function, not only being simple and easy to understand, but also of saying society is good and just. If you get rid of this one problem, everything will be okay. Mm-hmm. And, and we need to go, and we need to do a very good job of explaining to people that might be listening to that. That that's not true. This is complicated, and it's okay, and you can understand that it's complicated yeah. because anybody can. Yeah. Anybody can understand the kind of stuff we talk about, and we can get to them, and we can say these people are selling you snake oil. Yeah, it is for their own good. Yeah, exactly. I think that that is. Uh, it even goes back to the Lenin quote earlier. We talked about is that you know 
socialism and those kind of you know, literally progressivism is progressive. We can these 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 questions are not easy. Um, there are complicated, complex questions that we have to answer, and that answering those questions is not something simple or anything else. But it's not something that can be answered by saying, "Oh, it's black people's fault. Uh, it's the Jews' fault." Uh, but it's also something that can't be fixed by saying, "Oh, it's white people's fault." What it really is yeah. is a power relation that that has so many complex, and it's been built that way. It has been crafted to be complex. And there have been good people throughout the years who've put little holes in and put little footholds that we can use to dismantle some of these things. Um, but um, do you have anything else you want to add on the Charlottesville riots? I know we could probably talk about this for several hours. Yeah, we could talk about this for, yeah, days. Um, um, I just, I just want to say, again, thank you all to everybody who showed up. Thank you all for going to that. Thank you all for doing that. This is, this is one of the most important fights in America right now is showing up to to protest against this kind of shit. Uh, Please keep doing it. Don't let terrorism scare you away from it. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I want to... Oh, uh, in, in San Antonio, um, over the weekend, uh, there is a, another group of great uh, Antifa, Boys in Black, uh, and Black Lives Matter uh, people who are um, working to... Uh, uh, they're protesting um, some... Um, confederate statues that exist in san antonio and trying to get them removed and i i, I from what i've read are they're looking like they're uh, gonna be uh successful in that fight and so we want to acknowledge all of the uh, all the fights we can and uh like i said earlier uh you know see the victims that have been uh, impacted by this violence uh you know pray for the dead and fight like hell for the living um so our next story for um national news uh is uh, this week uh, President Trump declared a national emergency on opioid abuse. Um, and, you know, most of the time we yell about uh, the terrible things uh, Trump does. And I actually think that this is a, a something that needs to happen. Um, and it's not the solution that um, is at the, you know, the, the, the real solution. Um, but it is at least a step in a acknowledging it. Um, I uh, uh, there's a really awesome um, there's a couple really cool resources if you want to learn more about uh, the opioid epidemic in America right now and how that translates to the heroin epidemic. Um, and uh, the the podcast uh, the Dollop with uh, Dave Anthony and uh, Gareth Reynolds. Uh, they do a two-part series. There's also a really cool Vox article that maybe we can put uh, up on the Reddit page or mm -hmm. the Twitter page or something uh, that Carl sent me. And I think uh, all three of those are really good for understanding this problem um, because one I do I do want to say this very shortly though. Uh, Vox sometimes makes good articles. We're definitely not like big Vox fans here though. Vox is Vox is I'm on the fence about Vox to this day. This is just a good example for them. Yeah. Um, and I, 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 I really, this is something that I, I, I love to engage in the conversation about the opioid abuse and the opioid, opioid epidemic, because this is a problem that was caused and could only be caused under capitalism. This exists because big pharma and insurance companies wanted it to, um, they, for a long period in the eighties and nineties, 
um, the the corporation that makes Oxycontin, owned by the Sackler family, that all that money pours back into, these are billionaires. They told doctors at all, you know, they gave doctors free samples, they gave doctors advertising materials, and they told them over and over that um, patients should not have to experience pain. And the way you alleviate that is through opium. And so they were able to legalize opium trade, and then they were able to sell it. Uh, and, and, I mean, you know, opium is the most addictive thing on the planet. And so, of course, they're able to make piles and piles and piles and piles of cash. And the way the legal system for doctors is set up in the U.S. is that once you have big pharma that lobbies the government to say, okay, this drug can be produced for medical reasons, and then you have doctors who prescribe that drug, and then you have patients who get addicted, and you rip that drug away, and you have problems with the patients, those patients have no recourse up that chain, you know, because they didn't make the decision. They didn't, they didn't, they didn't, they didn't, they're not big pharma. They're not these pharmaceutical companies who pushed the government to make these drugs legal. They're not them. They're not the doctors who prescribed them. All of those chains are, are what happened. And then that person, that individual who has no power, who is in pain, who needs medicine, is forced into this position. And then they're left high and dry. And now they're fighting for heroin on the street. It's just, I mean, it's the introduction it's of crack in the 80s. Yeah, or it's the fucking opium, you know, it's what the British did to China, where they were like, y'all can't tell us we can't sell opium here in the, in the early 1800s. Mm -hmm. That's, I mean, it's literally a commodity that is highly addictive. And these companies saying, well, uh, we're selling the commodity. We have a vested interest in getting people addicted to it. Um, and they, they fought heavily tooth and nail when the FDA was like, no, like, you need to have a prescription from a doctor every single time you buy an opioid at a pharmacy. They fought that shit tooth and nail. And the second that came into effect, the next month, the amount of people, roughly the same number of the amount of people that couldn't buy opioids legally anymore were buying heroin. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and this is, I mean, this is, it played a role in more than 33,000 deaths in 2015, yeah. right? This is an insane that, amount of people and, that are suffering. And that's not even the discussion of how many families are being destroyed, how many children are growing up in the households that have been wrecked by opioid abuse that, like I said, you know, it, you know, there, there is a place for opium, you know, um, the, the, dollop, the dollop podcast has a really cool point of starting with before opium and in the civil war and how surgeries and things were done then and you need opium to do surgeries like that you need opium yeah. to deal with major pain and, and to deal with those things but and it, it, heroin to this day is prescribed in in british in the british uh national health service yeah. for for women giving birth it's a good uh uh thing to help alleviate the pain of birth and it doesn't present any threats so like these drugs are useful they serve functions it's true it's very true but when you allow companies to incentivize profit making over the needs of the people, and you know, it just goes that when you make healthcare and pharmaceuticals a for-profit industry like it is in the U.S., it just is going to be exploited. It's they're going to when you incentivize profit making by making capital the most important thing in the society then why are we surprised when they literally become drug dealers? When they literally well, lie is, to peddle drugs to everyone? This is a really important point because the whole point here is that the problem is capitalism. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. Precisely. Because these companies are making drugs that are commodities. These companies, their, their bottom line is selling the drugs they produce, right? Mm-hmm. We should be living in a world where drugs are produced based on what people need. Because drugs aren't useful outside of that. Drugs don't do good things for people outside of that. Yeah. And because instead we say, no, the market should control things. Capitalism is how economy should function. 33,000 people died in 2015. Yeah. Yeah. It's just disgusting. And it, and, it, and it literally is that. So let's walk through the, uh, the recommendations made by the White House um, uh, regarding this. Um, so the, I'm going to just run through these really fast. But um, so there's increased act. These are recommendations. These actually aren't even things that have gone into effect. This is what the White House is saying. Like, ah, this is what should be done. Um, increased access to naloxone treatment. Um, that's, um, oh, w- w- what, what is it called when you're on heroin and you take the uh, other drug? What's the other drug that helps you get off heroin? I don't remember. Uh, methadone. Methadone. That's it. No, but uh, 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 naloxone is naloxone is the one um, that treats uh, overdose. Oh, oh, okay, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. No, that's the that's the one that brings them out of the uh, uh, overdose. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, education for medical and dental schools about pain management. This is so important because for the last thirty years, the pharmaceutical industry has lied to doctors and has uh, given money to medical schools to say, to teach the doctors that pain is something that uh, people shouldn't be engaged in. Uh, my significant other is a, uh, uh, a getting a doctorate in physical therapy, and one of the things that they deal with pretty often is that people don't want to be in pain and have been told that things shouldn't, that they, they don't need to be in pain, and that healing is a painful process a lot of the time and you have to get through that and so this is a really important one um next is uh require dea agents to take courses on proper pain treatment i'm always i'm always on board for taking law enforcement and giving them more education because you know as long as long as we're going to have law enforcement like they they should be as well trained as possible yep Yep. Yep. Uh, expand addiction treatment under Medicaid in all 50 states. Um, enforce the law that insurance companies can't limit benefits on mental health treatment, which is, you know, that's just a good thing that we, uh, like, it's, it's a law already, but we don't enforce it. That insurance companies, at a certain point, they're like, ah, you've had enough. You, you, mental health, you're fine. This is expensive. Yeah, you know what? Go buy your heroin on the street. Stop talking to doctors. Go. Go, go shoot heroin. Um, fund a federal incentive to enhance access to medication, uh, medication-assisted treatment, um, which is uh, something that happens a lot in Europe. Where you know, if you're an addict, you can go in and go, "I'm addicted to drugs," <laughs> and they'll go, "Oh, okay, well, cool, and this we'll is, help you." This is really important. I think this is one of the most important things, and I want to talk about this a bit later too. But because uh, the whole point is, this understands addiction as as a health problem. Mm-hmm. And it says, you have a health problem, we need to help you with your health problem, instead of you're morally suspect as an individual. Yeah, exactly. Um, crack down on street fentanyl, uh, which, um, like, I, I, I never, like, the war on drugs isn't good, but, like, fentanyl is a drug that was created by the same company that made Oxycontin, and it is the most powerful version of opium that exists. Um, the powder form, if you put your finger in it, you can overdose. Um, it is, uh, it is something that even, even kills Leo, uh, law enforcement officers. Um, 
when they come in contact with heroin that's been laced with fentanyl, um, there have been stories of them getting powder blown on them or, or, or dropping on their uniforms or on their skin and having to go to the hospital almost immediately for overdoses because it is such a powerful drug. Um, and uh, I mean, there's just eventually there's just got to be something done about getting it getting all of that into a place and burning it or getting rid of it somehow because it is just uh, evil incarnate. Well, and being in control of it because it's a medical thing that serves medical purposes mm-hmm. sometimes, mm-hmm. you know? But so is chemo treatment. And and people shouldn't be doing chemo treatment outside of when people need chemo treatment. Yeah, yeah. Like, there should not be something that's on on the street that people are using like this. And no one... No one's like, I don't know, like, no one's stoked to be a heroin user. <laughs> like, heroin users are, I mean, like, opium, it just sedates you. And, you know, when you're addicted to that, no one's, no one wants that. Uh, yeah, I've, and, and NPR did a special on it, I think, in 20, 2015 on, on uh, n- uh, n- Naloxone, uh, that, uh, Noxlone or whatever, the, the, the overdose treatment, and they were just talking to real heroin, uh, uh, opioid addicts. I think they're mostly heroin addicts and all the heroin addicts were like, yeah, I don't, you know, if somebody, I'm not going to, if people come up to me and they're like, Hey, you got some heroin share and they're heroin addicts. I will, I will do that. But if somebody is like, I want to try heroin or something, heroin addicts are normally like, no, you don't. Yeah. You don't want to do this. Yeah. Like, don't come asking him. Don't come asking me for this shit. This is bad. I do this because I'm addicted. Yeah. It's almost like cigarette smoking. Every time you talk to a smoker who's been smoking for a long time and isn't, like, if you're a non-smoker, they're just like, no, I won't give you a cigarette. Why? Yeah, why yeah. do you want to no, do, do this? Do not do that. This is a terrible decision. <laughs> um, and then um, they want to modify pa- patient privacy laws uh, specific to addition, addiction and, hi- and HIPAA. And uh, what that is, is HIPAA is, how, is the law that allows uh, patients protections um, so that they are, the information that they share is privately between them and their doctors. And this goes to the same thing you were talking about earlier with the uh, kind of the marginalization of drug users who have been, you know, kind of lied to, not kind of really lied to, uh, but um, they, you know, are saying, you know, we want to make sure that people can come in privacy and make sure that people can come and uh, deal with these addictions without the worry of um, people um, judging them for it. Or, or even more than that, being labeled in a category where they can't get certain jobs um, or lose their kids um, or, you know, lose government help in 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 certain ways um but anyway that's uh that's uh that's all i have on that one do you have anything else uh for uh uh that uh yeah i do want to talk a little bit um something i mentioned a little bit earlier um was about one of the most important things is not thinking of addicts as like individuals who have failed morally or something yeah um because addiction is a disease. Any any doctor will tell you addiction is a disease. Addiction is a health problem. It is not anything other than that. Because people generally don't become addicted. And there's good science out there that says, you know, people don't become addicted unless they're in situations that aren't good, that drive addiction, poverty, for example, dangerous homes, things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then that it is a medical problem. 
It is no different than any other medical problem. It requires treatment. It requires understanding. It requires taking care of these people, saying, hey, you have a problem. We want to help you. We want to do what we can to get you out of this. And that, that kind of, oh, you should have never become addicted. You shouldn't be an addict. You should have the moral will to stop or something. That is part and parcel of yeah. capitalism as well. Yeah. And the solution is also destroying capitalism because it's saying you should have a fulfilling job. You should have a house that's worth living in. You should not be in poverty. Taking away these other drivers that that create these problems as well is is part of solving the issue. So so free housing for everyone, free healthcare for everyone. We understand what individuals are mm -hmm. and providing meaningful democratically decided upon work is also part of ending the opiate addiction. Yeah. So ending capitalism is part of ending this. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and like I said earlier, um, this is always something I love to talk about because it is a crisis that only exists under capitalism. It is something that can only exist under there. And sure, there are problems with socialism, but so often I hear critics of socialism want to make arguments about, well, you know, Russia was so terrible or, you know, uh, you know, socialism failed in Venezuela. And it's like, but do you realize the terrible... It's not socialism. Well, you know, not, not only is it not socialism, but do you realize the terrible abuses that are going on in this country currently? Like, I can also just say, well, capitalism has failed in the U.S. because it's created the greatest opioid epidemic of the history yeah. of the planet. <laughs> this opioid epidemic is only happening because of because sheer other, profiteering. Other modern post-industrial and industrial countries don't have commodified pharmaceutical markets. Yep. Yeah, it's exactly right. All right, well, are you ready to move to Oklahoma news? Yeah, yeah, we got some uh, stuff to talk about back home. Oh, we sure do. big deals. Uh, so first off, uh, we want to uh, touch on uh, the rebuilding effort going on in uh, Tulsa after the Tulsa tornado uh, last week. Um, Governor Fallon has uh, announced a um, state of emergency now, which is actually a really good thing. Um, I think the numbers I saw were around 200, I think 170, but around 200 buildings were damaged uh, in Tulsa, uh, including some, some, some that are going to require some major repair. Uh, there's a skyscraper that uh, was hit uh, that is probably either going to have to be torn down or at least like removed to a point where they can work on the foundation which is pretty major mm -hmm. um it's that red building over by that best buy <laughs> i don't know what it is i i, I saw i saw <laughs> uh, the, the remington tower the remington tower, tower. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah yeah that's what it is um the remington tower yeah um is probably gonna have to be almost entirely rebuilt um and so, and there was also some problems with the uh, city's warning sirens that they didn't sound because of how fast the tornado was moving. Um, I want to I want to say some things about these warning sirens. Two things: okay. one, if you live in a home and you're mad the sirens didn't go off, and you were in the home, you're wrong. You have nothing to be mad about. Those sirens aren't meant for you. You need to own a weather radar or have an app on your phone that tells you about this because. Those sirens are exclusively thought of and planned for people outside. So that everybody's saying, I didn't hear the sirens, and I was at home. That's not what they're supposed to do, okay? And, and this is very serious in terms of storm safety. Have a weather radar from the NWS or have there are a shit ton of apps you can have to tell you this shit. Yeah, and not only that, but you can go to any army supply and get a radio. 
and yeah. that you can you can use for those kind of things. And it's really good to have a battery operated radio that works on those frequencies because it's really helpful. Yes, it's uh, very important. Um, but essentially, what it what it allows is that um, state agencies um, um, state agencies can make emergency purchases to um, using federal funds. They can make emergency purchases um, to help the rebuilding effort, uh, and it's really important because um, you know a natural disaster like this is something that. Um, requires and i think this is so important this is kind of why i wanted to talk about this too is that something like this requires a community response it's something that cap like when you think of how capitalism is it's something that capitalism actually is really bad to fix it's like capitalism is this whole merit-based value-based oh you the, let the market decide but the market doesn't give a shit about like tornadoes it's or like, communities or communities yeah and so like in this case like you know, under a pure capitalism, it's just like, oh, okay, well, your house blew away, so do you have the cash to pay for a new one? Oh, you don't? Okay, well, you're on the street. Better get a new Yeah, yep, should have had an insurance plan. Yeah, well, I mean, even insurance is kind of socialism because you're not just paying for it again. <laughs> like, like, all of that, like, if you, you like go on a, like, a, a terrible Milton Friedman, like, idea of capitalism or like Thomas Sowell or someone equally awful is just that like, Oh, you know, well, you should have had the gold buried under your house so that when it <laughs> blew away, you could dig the gold up and pay the workers to build the house. But I think, in, you know, in Oklahoma, we were so often hit by these tornadoes and we so often see, you know, really big community responses and community responses in the way that they happen under capitalism, you know, donations of money, donations of goods, um, but I think that that really engenders people in Oklahoma to an understanding that communities are part of how you move forward and how you fix problems. It's like we are a community. We are in like I, people. It's like I, I, I have this conversation every once in a while, but like communism is communityism. Socialism is yeah. societyism. It's, it's the belief that we are actually a community that has an effect on each other and that we have to work together. And I think that, like I said, it kind of engenders us as Oklahomans to uh, be more open to the idea that as a community, we have to lift each other up. Well, and one of the most important things that you see after storms like this um, is people coming out and saying, hey, we want to help. We want to volunteer. Mm -hmm. We want to clean this shit up. We want to burn the rest of that TGI Fridays because that's a sin upon the planet that any TGI Fridays exists. So let's just let's make the community a better place. Get rid of the shit. Yeah. And fix up the stuff that needs to get fixed up. Yeah. That is the idea. Yeah. At its core is saying, hey, there's shit that needs to be done in our society. Let's go do it. Except instead of waiting for a fucking crazy ass tornado in the middle of the goddamn night to show up, we should just be doing it all the time. Well, I'm just saying, like, I'm just saying, like, what if, what if we could do the cool things about a tornado hitting Oklahoma without the tornado hitting? Yeah. Like, like that is the galaxy brain meme mm -hmm. of, like, becoming a socialist. Is like, I don't need a tornado to volunteer, except instead of volunteering, I don't have a real job because we all just do this all the time. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that, that's, that's basically what I was going to say is, is exactly that, is that there are problems as big as this tornado in Oklahoma. You know, you can look at 
the education system. There are way right? bigger problems uh, in this tornado. Yeah, and and those kind of things could really use a community response. <laughs> and uh, I, I I certainly think that it, like I said, it, this 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 state has such a great history of um, community and of socialism that I I really think that it's important to keep those things uh, in mind and keep them moving forward. All right. Are you ready to talk about uh, the overturning of a fee on cigarettes? A uh, scare quotes fee. It's a tax, Adam. Okay. Supreme Court said so. I, I, yeah, but I love that the Oklahoma government, uh, so, so the Oklahoma government, uh, under Mary Fallon had tried to levy a dollar fifty. Wait, say her name correctly, Mary Fallon. She's not. Her name is Mary Fallon. I refuse for her to be called Mary Fallon on this show. Okay, Fuse. that's fine. Mary, Mary Fallon. Fallon. <laughs> uh, Mary under Mary Fallon <laughs> had uh <laughs> placed a dollar uh, fifty per fat per pack. Yeah, air quotes fee. On cigarettes, and I really think it's funny that they use the same like uh, rhetoric as Obama used in, or like the legislature used in passing the ACA um, under the mandate, saying it was a fee and not a tax. Yeah, but like the (laughs) the reason that that went through the Supreme Court, um, the SCOTUS approved the fee, is that you were actually getting something. It, well, when you were being charged for it. So if you're get, getting charged the mandate fee, you're actually getting health insurance because you can go to a hospital and get help. But like under this, it's just a tax on a commodity it's and they just called it a fee. Exclusively a tax. And it, that's not the only level it's on. on it's unconstitutional on two other points too because <laughs> they can't pass a revenue-raising measure in the last week of session and... If it's going to be a new tax, it either has to have super majorities in both houses or be put up to a vote. So, like, three strikes, you're out on one. <laughs> Good job, Oklahoma State Legislature. Like, did you not read the Oklahoma Constitution? Is that not a thing you all know, apparently? I don't, I, I don't, I don't know if every single person in the legislature is as smart as Mark Wayne Mullen, but it sounds like Okay, that's that's what I have to say. So, Phelan released this statement. Uh, I am disappointed to hear the Supreme Court struck down the smoking cessation fee, which is fun, a fun way to look at that. It's like, ah, this is the stop smoking fee when you buy cigarettes. But I certainly respect the justice's authority. I will be discussing with legislative leaders from both parties the need to address the $250 million shortfall this will create for the for DHS, Department of Mental Health and Substance Abuse, and the Oklahoma Health Care Authority. So, Very important to remember here. Yeah, you're about to say what I'm going to say, so just say it. <clears throat> well, so the state government, when it came up with the 2018 budget, was like, oh, we will have this money, even though, like, we literally just passed it in a time frame that makes it illegal. Yeah. <laughs> like, just when we voted for it makes it prima facie illegal but we should still budget like we're gonna get it hey yeah and and, um, and, and what i was gonna say in that is that when you think that there's a 250 million dollar shortfall because they yeah like you said budgeted for an illegal measure that they knew was yeah prima facie not going to work but also 
they just don't tax oil. They, they could fund this if they taxed anything like oil. They could get all of this money. Just tax production. <laughs> it's just insane that you just, yeah, yeah, yeah. That they just completely dis- well, disregard that part of the problem. Uh, the, the, the House Minority Leader, uh, Scott Inman, who's also running for governor, um, they, he put out this plan and he was like, hey, maybe we'll deal with this budget problem by taxing production. How about that? And the Republicans were like, nah, we should triple unconstitutional pass a cigarette fee. That's how we'll do it. Because we fucking hate poor people, but love the rich. Like, yeah. what is going on here? <laughs> this is so, it's almost like these people are actually destroying the state budget because they want the schools to be such that people are just as stupid as the legislatures when they get out of it. Yeah. It's the same. That's, it, that's actually what's going on. It's the same thing we talked about last week. It's, it's, and these are the same people who believe in charter schools and all this, you know, you should have to pay for everything that you do, uh, you know, honestly, so that they can make more money because this small collection of white people, literally known as the bourgeoisie, are in control of all the money and they want to make you pay more for everything. Um, they don't want to give things out for free and they don't want to pay taxes. And so rather than dealing with those problems, rather than upping property taxes, taxing production or incentivizing, uh, you know, green energy production that would grow the state's economy, provide jobs and provide taxable, um, income rather than that, what they want to do is cut school hours. They want to tax the poor through cigarettes. And they want to uh, make sure that you have to pay out of pocket for all of your healthcare expenses. And it just serves one purpose and one purpose only, and that is to hold down the proletariat. And this is uh, really importantly with, in terms of healthcare, it's like how they, how they made it look like a fee is that this funding was mainly going to healthcare. Mm -hmm. So 7% of the Oklahoma healthcare authority, the state's Medicaid agency was going to come from this. Mm-hmm. 23% of the Department of Mental Health and Substance Abuse Services funding was going to come from this. And 10% of the Department of Human Services funding was going to come from this. So not only, like, by this not happening, people who need health care are not going to get it. Yeah. Because these idiots don't know the fucking document that is the legal basis for the state of Oklahoma's existence. And they don't understand <laughs> how to tax the thing that makes money in this state. Yeah. And not only that, but, you know, if you really look at it as uh, in, in, through Alex Jones's eyes of conspiracy-minded thought, <laughs> you know, it almost comes to a point where you go, well, they knew it was unconstitutional. If they, you know, they can't be that dumb. You know, if they knew it was unconstitutional to pass it that way, they just never intended on funding those services. And on some level, I want to believe that. I really do want to believe that. Well, who's, what's the but quote? The, Always never uh, attribute to malice what you can attribute to ignorance. Yeah, it's like, it, it, no, these people just have their heads so far up their ba- asses. And they've been eating like chicken fried steak and gravy every day. So like they have the, the worst kind of poop fumes up there and they're just their brain is addled by the shit food that they eat every day and smelling that 
because that's all they all they smell since their heads are so far up their own damn asses. Yeah. Like they're they're sticking their head out of their mouth like a fucking alien because their head has gone so far up their own butt that it's coming out their mouth. I know that doesn't make physical sense, but they're so dumb that they break the laws of physics at this point. Yeah. Yeah, it it, it just you know, it's it's difficult to understand if they're evil it, or if they're dumb. It's it, it probably both. All right, you ready to move on to uh, the conservative reading list for the week? Yes, yes, I am. All right, well, take it away, boss. So uh, we we went back to News OK. Fuck you, News OK, um, for our conservative reading list. You'll remember that in one of our previous episodes, we hated on them for saying, don't tax the rich because rich people move the money. You idiots uh, never have taxes. And they wrote a new one called Cigarette, air quotes, fee, ruling a victory for Oklahoma taxpayers, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and like we just said, we're fundamentally in agreement with, with what this article is saying. It is good that the cigarette fee is gone, right? Mm-hmm. We agree with that because these fuckers aren't doing their job. But... And I think this is very important. Just because you agree with somebody for some reason doesn't mean that their reasons for it are so stupid that they make the Oklahoma legislature look like a smart group of people, right? Yeah. <clears throat> which, which, as you can tell, is something I find hard to <clears throat> So what these guys say, and, and they start off by saying, like in the first thing where they, where they start, ta- start properly talking, they say, we want a tobacco tax, right? We like all the bad things about the cigarette fee, that it keeps us from taxing oil, that it hurts poor people. We love that shit. Super into it. But <laughs> they're then like, oh, you know, it's not economically destructive. It's not counterproductive. And what they mean by that is it's not taxing oil companies. So yeah. I don't know what is more economically destructive than global warming that will make the fucking planet uninhabitable. I don't know what's more economic. I don't know. Maybe Trump nuking North Korea. That would be the other thing that is up there on this level of dumb, right? <clears throat> or, you know, I don't know if they've ever been outside in o- the earthquakes. I don't know if they live in, like, some special houses that float on water so they don't get earthquakes. Literally these destroying George, the ground we live on. These are George Soros-funded opinion columns coming from outside the state. <clears throat> Obviously, like, like, liberal propaganda. Adelson probably paid for this, right? <laughs> so just, just starts off with the dumbest shit possible for saying, right? If you want less of something, tax it more. That's yeah, literally like, in the article. Literally the phrase, and which is just like, okay, can we tax things that we need less of, like oil production? Yeah. Um. Which would be good. Uh, another thing. Another thing that they say this like um, the court noted Oklahoma's vote to require legislative supermajorities for tax increases, along with the state's balanced budget requirement, indicates the people's preference that when revenues shrink, so too does their government. Those are not mere procedural or technical requirements, but the substantive framework for how our state and government extracts and spends the people's money. So they're literally saying it's good the cigarette fee is gone because the government is smaller. Right? Because who needs health and human services? Who needs DHS? health and human services? Who needs Medicaid? Uh, <laughs> or who schools? Needs bridges that don't literally collapse. Yeah, who needs <laughs> schools? 
Oh my god. Who needs who needs who needs regulatory agencies that keep oil companies from just causing so many earthquakes that like literal buildings collapse? That's the thing that's happening. Or polluting or or, or you know, coal fire plants that pollute so hard yeah. that it causes like, who cancer. Needs government in, regulation yeah. when there wasn't any government regulation and they had those massive mines up by uh, Miami in Petro, Oklahoma, that worked out so well that now Petro, Oklahoma is a desolate wasteland where the ground might collapse at any moment, and if you drink the water, you die of lead poisoning immediately. Mm -hmm. That's how that's how bad government regulations are. They, you know, kept that from happening. Thank God we didn't have them. Otherwise, people could live there. Yeah, and then there, and, there, and, there's another point in this article where uh, the author says that essentially that. Um, that that had this passed and been allowed, that politicians would have been able to just tax anything they wanted by anyone at any time, and it's just like that's so. It's like it's, it's, it's just, just a false wrong. starter. Yeah, it's just there's nothing. You it's just incorrect. <laughs> you still need to have these things met to pass tax laws. Yeah, yeah. You're you're right. You're at a minimum. You you need a majority in both houses to pass tax laws, and you need a governor that will sign the bill. Like, just because this passes doesn't mean that, like, the somebody in the legislature says we're going to tax condoms and, um... Well, it's like they're not like, taxing anything. They're not, like, this, this, this supposes that taxes are always bad. And, like, I hear that a lot from, like, libertarian crap. And, like, there's, there's an amount of that in Oklahoma. It's just, like... Dude, taxes are not bad. They're great. They pay for roads. They pay for school. They pay for everything. Like, not like, taxing just makes things before, more difficult. Before the Social Security tax was introduced, old people just starved to death all the time. Yep. It doesn't happen anymore. Or at least doesn't... You want old people to starve to death all the time? No. It's, it's, no, you don't. Yeah, it, it, it just... It is that, it's that same thing. It... it, it Capitalism does this game where capitalists play this game where it's like, oh, taxes are bad because they're stealing our money, but also um, we should pay for everything out of pocket, and if you don't have money, you die. Also, but like, also you have the ability to like make money and earn revenue through. But it's like that part, that last part where you're like, oh, but you have the value. You have, you know, your work has value, and you can incentivize your own value through work. It's like that part isn't true. Because the people who have all the capital and have it all piled up, they're not giving it to anybody. They're not spending. And they don't want to spend it on the shit they need to make yeah, money. They're not paying their workers a living wage. Uh, they're not. They're not paying taxes. They're not giving back to the community. They're just holding onto the money because the money is where the power is. And they're parasites on the. These capitalists are parasites on the state. Without yeah, get them off police welfare. keeping people from expropriating the property they own. They wouldn't have that property. Without the state spending a shit ton of money to keep roads up to date, we wouldn't have the roads they need to sell their fucking goods. Yep. Without, without all of this shit, they could not make any money. And then they sit here and they're like, oh, taxes are bad. And the Oklahoma editorial board eats that shit up. They drink that fucking Kool-Aid. Yep. The sad part is it's not poisonous, and it hasn't killed the Oklahoma editorial board yet. Oh, man. But a boy can dream. A boy can dream. Maybe I'll 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 ship them some Kool Aid. <laughs> um, All right. Well, I think that's about it for us for the week. Um, we've got. Do you have anything else you want to say on that? Uh, you know, we we have some cool stuff in the works. Mm -hmm. We're we're or we're trying to have some cool stuff in the works. We might be getting our 
first interview. Uh, don't want to say with whom yet, just so that it, it, you know, you all keep listening because I know you all will stop listening if I don't. Oh, yeah. um, and the governor's race is what fourteen months out now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but um, you know, we'll be on episode about uh, you know seventy. Yeah, but but you know we're we're looking at it. <laughs> I already mentioned Scott M in this episode. Toast World had like a poll out. Who would you vote for? Um, so we're we're gonna start we're gonna start seeing what we can do to talk about the gubernatorial race mm-hmm. coming up. Yeah, and um, if you want to get in contact with us, um, you can you can shoot an email over to redstaroverok at gmail dot com. Um, we got a Twitter account at redstaroverokay. Our subreddit is Red Star over Oklahoma. Um, and then, yeah, like us, follow us, uh, go check us out on SoundCloud or iTunes. Um, rate and review us on iTunes, guys. Come on. Yeah, rate, let's, rate, let's get us up. Rate and reviews, uh, that is actually like, those are super important because that's how we move up the uh, rankings at, over at iTunes. And, and, and if you look up Oklahoma on iTunes, there's like not that many podcasts. So the more you all do that, the higher up we get. And then, like, maybe you're. I don't know, like your trunk, your Trump supporting like coworker who's like five steps away from him aneurysm is going to see that we're up there and listen to us and think it's something cool and then like finally give up the ghost. So. Well, I mean, yeah, yeah, like that, fight by writing and reviewing us. Yeah, that and that, and that is the goal is to take these malleable uh, white supremacist minds and and lead them to the the beautiful light of socialism and. Take them into the Make them follow the red star. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, that's all for us for the week. Uh, Y'all be safe out there. Yeah. Be safe. Bye. Bye.